It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to Men's Health Monthly with Dr. Tom Walsh, director of the University of Washington's Men's Health. Health Center and Associate Professor of Urology at the UW, featuring important topics dealing with men's health, including prostate cancer and erectile dysfunction. Here's your host, Neil Scott. We welcome you to the November edition of Men's Health Monthly. I'm privileged to have as my co-host Dr. Tom Walsh. He is a surgeon, professor at the University of Washington, and an active advocate for men's health. Dr. Walsh is the director of the UW Men's Health Center, which is where we are broadcasting from. Did you have a nice Thanksgiving, Dr. Walsh? had a wonderful Thanksgiving, full of family, full of friends, counting my calories, and I made sure that I did some exercise before I ate and after. This month, we're going to delve into men's stomachs, including finding out about good nutrition and what happens when our stomach lets us know that something isn't right. This month, we're delighted to have Dr. Liz Broussard, one of the top gastroenterologists in the PNW. First, as we do every month, we're going to look into the Men's Health Anonymous Inbox, which gives our listeners an opportunity to send questions anonymously on any subject relating to men's health. We begin this month with Frank from Snoqualmie, who writes, are there UW Men's Health Centers on the East Side? Frank, we do not have a UW Men's Health Center per se on the East Side. However, we do have the UW UW Medicine Side Specialty Center, which is a great location for men to be seen if they want to stay across the bridge. But the East Side Specialty Center, we do have providers who see men with men's health specific conditions there, and that's a great place for you to, to seek out an appointment. From George, I've gained a lot of weight in the last year and a half, and frankly, I was overweight before then. I hate the term obese. I am supposed to attend a wedding in February. Is there anything I can do to lose some of my extra padding quickly? Oh, George, uh, great question, and I'm glad that you're thinking about these things. You know, there's no quick and easy way to do something like this, and I encourage my patients to really avoid fad diets or quick weight loss. If it's too quick, it's probably not safe and it's probably not healthy. Your best bet is to work with a weight loss-based nutrition nutritionist and maybe even a weight loss center, but also there's probably some hard work ahead of you. And as your body allows and as your health allows, you need to be engaging in what the American Heart Association guides us on cardiovascular exercise. You need to watch your calories, make sure your diet's balanced. There are some things that are really high in calories that you could consider cutting out of your diet, things like alcohol. You know, as we've wrapped up the Thanksgiving season, we know that these things are really ubiquitous and we have to keep an eye on our diets. Remember, you can send an anonymous email on any health issue to Men's Health Monthly at iHeartMedia.com. We will not retain your information. We will not share your email address. This is 100% anonymous. I'm Neil Scott, my co-host, Dr. Tom Walsh, director of the Men's Health Center at the UW, where we are doing this month's edition of Men's Health Monthly. And our special guest this month, Dr. Liz Broussard. She's a prominent gastroenterologist at, at the Pacific Medical Center and an acclaimed clinical associate professor here at the UW. Let's begin by explaining to our audience what a gastroenterologist is, and how your specialty relates to men and men's health. First of all, thank you for having me on this show. What a great opportunity 
to talk about issues that are specific to men's health and that are related to my field of interest. Gastroenterology is the study of anything from your mouth to your anus. So the digestive tract. So that's the esophagus, the stomach, the liver, the pancreas, the small intestine, and the colon. That's a lot of real estate. It sure is. It's always exciting. It's never boring. So that's a, that's one reason I chose this field. What are some of the common stomach ailments? And, and how can a man know the difference between, I don't know, an upset stomach or a more serious problem? And what are the signs of a more serious problem? So abdominal pain is one of those things that can be due to so many different things. I think that things to look out for, for both men and women, would be pain that is different or new than what you've experienced before. So if you always get a little bit bloated after having, let's say, eggnog or dairy products, and that's just kind of how you've been your whole life, that's not necessarily as concerning as, whoa, I you know, used to have a stomach of steel, and now when I eat, I have this terrible new pain that I never had before. Another sign I look for is weight loss that is really unintentional. So you're eating your normal amount of food, you're exercising your normal amount, and the pounds are just dropping off of you. That's not typical, and that would be a sign that maybe something is going on in your intestinal tract that needs additional investigation. And lastly, any kind of blood right? So blood from your rectum, blood coming out of your mouth, that's not normal. The causes can be benign and not worrisome, but those are the things that I would be looking for, for any issues that need to be investigated. Dr. Walsh? You know, this is one of those things that even in my field and in men's health, and I, you know, as you know, I have no training in the things that you do, but we get asked these questions all the time. My question to you is, is there ever a role for patients, men or women, who are experiencing some of the things that you've just described to self-medicate? You know, when should they get to the drugstore and get the Gas-X or the Pepto-Bismol? When should they get in the the door to the, the office to see their doctor? When should they go to the emergency room? That's a great question and sometimes hard to answer just because there's such a wide range of things that could be going on. Over-the-counter medications are generally safe as a first stab. I think there is some issue overall in getting to see somebody really quickly. So I think those can be parallel things. Go to the pharmacy, try some Gas-X. You can try Mylanta for acid reflux, which is very, very common, especially after the Thanksgiving holiday when people have been eating and drinking up a storm. So things like Prilosec, and these are really good antacids that'll block acid in the stomach. I think those are perfectly safe to try. At the same time, I would talk to your primary care provider if there are things that, again, are different than normal for you. And the ER really is reserved, I would say, for pain that is really out of the ballpark, different for you, and also something that is lasting, that is not just sort of on and off, on and off, but it's something that is really just not 
getting better. You know, because I think those are things that the ER can help you with. But the ER is really not a place for chronic things that you've had, you know, for five years that maybe got a little bit worse, but now it's getting back to normal. So I think ER really means emergency. Something is terribly different and something is terribly wrong from what you're used to doing. What about constipation and diarrhea? Are those signs of, of something more serious? Constipation is the number one, two, and three reason people come to see gastroenterologists. Really? Oh, yes. <laughs> so I would say constipation that is new is something that is concerning. So let's say you're kind of guy that after the morning coffee, you're having your number two, like clockwork, like you could set your watch by your bowel movements. Every day you're going, you're going most of the time, right? All the time. Then all of a sudden you're not going at 9 a.m. And maybe you're not going for two or three or four days. And that is a uh, reason to talk to your primary care provider for sure, because maybe there are new medications you started. Maybe you stopped eating fruits and vegetables. Maybe you stopped drinking water. Maybe you stopped moving or maybe you had an accident or an injury and you're immobile and you are no longer able to do your normal routine. All those things can affect how your colon empties waste. Now, diarrhea is similar. Let's say you're the kind of guy that has three or four or five bowel movements every day. That's been your baseline since you were a kid. All of a sudden, now you're no longer having three to five, but maybe you're having seven to 10 bowel movements a day. That is a change in your bowel habits. Even though it's still diarrhea all along, it's different diarrhea, if that makes sense. And I think that also is a reason to get checked out. Maybe it's an infection. There are foodborne illnesses, so you could have food poisoning. Maybe it's not that serious, but maybe there's something else that's going on that needs further evaluation, first with your primary care provider and maybe with a gastroenterologist. What about over-the-counter medications for diarrhea or constipation? Stool softeners, should you take those daily? So stool softeners, um, those are things like docusate or colace. Those are available over-the-counter and they're not going to make you poop more, but they're going to bring more water into your poop so that when you push, it can come out a little easier. Those would be perfectly safe to try to see if that's all it takes is to get you going is a little bit of colace or docusate. I think that would be safe. Over-the-counter anti-diarrheals can be safe too. So things like Imodium, which, you know, for travelers, diarrhea, if you let's say maybe ate at a different restaurant than you did and had a little bit of diarrhea afterwards, I think taking some Imodium in that situation for short term would be safe to do. I don't think it's something that you should take as a new medication, sort of long term, just get, it may mask something that may be brewing that really does need you know more medical attention. Dr. Walsh? So what I'm hearing you say is that There is a role for us to do some self-medication, but when things are persistent, when we're finding ourselves really masking things with some of these medications, they're probably not the most safe approach. You know, we're talking a lot about some really acute issues, and I think I love this because the whole purpose of this program is to really reach out and to inform people. And, And I'm already feeling better informed than I was when we started. But this year um, is an important year for me because this is the year that my primary care doctor referred me for routine colonoscopy for colon cancer screening. So I want to take us 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Away from this topic of these acute things that may bring us to, to you, and talk a little bit about this serious topic of colon cancer. I understand there have been some recent changes in the guidance for colon cancer screening. Why do men like me need to see somebody like you for colonoscopy? That's a question that I'm sure many people ask themselves as they're getting referred for colonoscopy. So to answer your question, you know, the guidelines have recently changed. It used to be that any man or woman over the age of 50 should be referred for asymptomatic, meaning no symptoms, screening colonoscopy. You know, recently over the last, I would say, 10 to 15 years, we have seen a significant increase in the number of young people under the age of 50 who are developing colorectal cancer. And that rapid shift is too rapid in order to be some kind of genetic shift, but is likely due to environmental factors. We don't really know what those are, but there is active research into things like plastics. So the water that you drink from plastic water bottles may be interacting and changing the lining of the colon to make it more prone to develop cancer at a younger age. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be drinking water out of plastic water bottles, but just that this has been a change that people are looking into to figure out what is causing this because it's such a marked change, so much so that it has really pushed the National Cancer Institute and the Gastroenterology national societies to actually bump down that age group to now 45 as your initial age for colonoscopy, even if you're not having symptoms. The reason is colon cancer is not something that you feel necessarily. So if a woman, for example, has a lump on her breast, she's going to see it and she's going to feel it. And that would prompt an evaluation. Or let's say you get a funny mole on your back or on your shoulder or on your nose. You're going to see that and then prompt additional evaluation. You're not going to feel colon cancer when it starts because what it starts as is a tiny growth called a polyp somewhere in your colon. And that polyp grows over time and it gets bigger and bigger. And when it gets kind of biggish, then it might cause some symptoms. You might have some pain. You might have some bleeding. But the problem is you're not going to necessarily know that until it gets too big or gets fairly large. If you think about colon cancer, it's the only cancer that is theoretically 100% preventable. So if you have a colonoscopy and it's a high quality colonoscopy where the person who's doing it is able to look very closely at the colon and remove all the polyps or growths, then you can't get colon cancer. It's normal, normal colon, a tiny polyp, then a bigger polyp, then a giant polyp, and then that polyp turns to cancer. So if you go back all the way to that tiny polyp and cut it out, then you cannot get colon cancer. If you look at mammography, for example, breast cancer screening, all you're doing is picking up an early detection of cancer, but you're not preventing cancer. 
there's a message then we have to get out today, which is that when I get that notification that I'm due for my colon cancer screening, that I absolutely have to abide by it. Because not only do I have the opportunity to have something detected, but treated to prevent me from ever getting colon cancer. And that that recommendation starts at the youthful age of 45. And are there people who, aside from those who may have had symptoms, are there other higher risk individuals that may need to come see you sooner? And then put some numbers to this for us. Like what kind of numbers are we talking about? Is colon cancer the number one cancer? It is the least common cancer? It's the third most common cancer in this country. I would say here are some people that should come in even sooner. So if you have a personal family history of colon cancer, let's say your mom or dad had colon cancer at 45 or 50 or some age really relatively young, then we recommend that you actually come in 10 years before that diagnosis was made. So your dad had colon cancer at 50, you're coming in at 40 to get your colonoscopy. The other group is patients who have genetic syndromes that are predisposed to cancer. You may not know you have this, but um, things like Lynch syndrome, something called FAP or familial adenomatous polyposis syndrome. These are genetic syndromes that are quite rare, but would also prompt earlier colonoscopy. And then lastly, again, if you have any of those things that I've talked about, including any unintentional rapid weight loss, any blood parectum that is significant, any new abdominal pain, and again, a change in your bowel habits, regardless of your age, you should come in uh, to your primary care. That would maybe include a uh, referral to colonoscopy to investigate these four symptoms. We talk about colonoscopies, and I've got several friends that said they're scared to do it. Can you talk about the procedure and how quote-unquote painful it is? It's a myth, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that there is a lot of anxiety about things going into your rectum. Whether you're sedated or whether you're awake, there's a lot of anxiety about that, and, and that's perfectly understandable. So the procedure itself is kind of a cakewalk because when you come in, you are sedated. You can use different medications to put people to sleep safely, but during the procedure itself, you are not feeling anything going on inside the colon, the rectum, or any part of your colon. The thing that gets people, I think, is a barrier is the bowel preparation. So in order for me to look inside someone's colon, it can't be full of poop. So The only way to get rid of the poop is to make you have diarrhea. Let's say you're coming in on a Monday. On Sunday, you're going to be drinking just clear liquids the day before. And that clear means you should be able to hold it up in a cup and read a newspaper through it. So it's going to be maybe some apple juice or water, but not milk and not chocolate milk and not orange juice. Then we give you a bowel preparation or a laxative. Sometimes it's called Go Lightly. Sometimes it's a medication called Suprep. And that's going to sort of uh, supercharge your uh, bowels to empty 
and to be clean so that, again, you know, the gastroenterologist can actually do their job and look very closely and inspect the entire colon for those polyps or growths. If you find a polyp, you can remove it during the process, right? Oh, absolutely. That's the whole point. I like it. I'd never heard the phrase supercharge the colon before, so I'm, I appreciate that I had a chance to hear it here first. Anytime, Tom. Um, yeah. We will continue our discussion with Dr. Liz Broussard right after this. Did you know that diabetes, heart disease, and prostate cancer procedures can contribute to erectile dysfunction? Many men aren't aware of this or of all the treatment options that a board-certified urologist can offer. Understand your options and learn where you can find an ED specialist in Seattle to help. Visit edcure.org to get the facts and find a urologist who can offer treatment options that work when pills and injections don't. Again, that's edcure.org. We are back on Men's Health Monthly. I'm Neil Scott. My co-host is the director of the UW Men's Health Center, which is where we are this month, Dr. Tom Walsh. And this month, we're discussing stomach problems, gastrointestinal issues that can affect men. Our special guest is one of the top gastroenterologists in the PNW, Dr. Liz Broussard from the Pacific Medical Center and an associate clinical professor at the UW School of Medicine, Dr. Walsh. Well, for me, I, I feel like this is one of the most common questions we get, which is about gastrointestinal health and questions about colon cancer, colon cancer screening, irritable bowel. So I'm thrilled uh, to have Dr. Broussard here. As it always is, this has been an enlightening show for me. We talked about colonoscopies. Is there an alternative, maybe a non-invasive way to check the colon? Yeah, so there are two FDA-approved stool-based tests, meaning that there is no invasive procedure, but you can take a poop and stick it on a stick and send it into the lab. So the first of these is called a FIT or a fecal immunochemical test, and that is a fancy term for looking for blood. If there is any human blood in your poop, the FIT test will pick it up. This is a stool test that's done every year, and if at any year there is positive blood, the next test has to be colonoscopy. So that's kind of how it works. The other stool-based test is something called Cologuard, and this is a test that looks at changes in your poop that are associated with colon cancer and uh, large polyps. Again, this is picked up in your stool, and if this is a positive test, the next step has to be colonoscopy. This is kind of a funny test, and this is done every three years. So if you're negative, your next test is done on that third year. I should say that these are non-invasive, but if you look at studies that follow these tests over time, there is what's called drop-off. And so people are kind of excited about it and sort of comply with it. But over time, they kind of don't do it or primary care gets busy and forgets to order it, especially that every third year test. So um, in the end, those are a little bit trickier to do. Colonoscopy, for example, if you had a normal colonoscopy and no family history, you would not be due for another colonoscopy for 10 years. And in those 10 years, there would be no need to do any of those stool-based tests. So you're kind of on the colonoscopy train or you're not but it's not both. You don't need a fit or a cologuard 
if you've had colonoscopy, again, high-quality colonoscopy. What about men's age in terms of older gentlemen? Is there a point where it, where you don't need to do a colonoscopy? Yeah, you know, that's – um. I just had a patient today, actually, who is 83 years old and in fairly good health, who presented with a mass that he could feel on his belly. It turns out that he has colon cancer that was diagnosed today – it kills me for many reasons, but to think if he had just come in for a colonoscopy maybe five years ago when he was 77, we would have prevented this 100%. So I would say the way that I think about colonoscopy is if your patient is someone that we expect to live for the next five to 10 years, then that would be someone that we would encourage doing colonoscopy on. There's no really hard cap because honestly there are people that are 80 that look like they're 50 and they're going to make it to 90 so to not do a colonoscopy just because the age is 80 is not good common sense or clinical sense and to be honest i met some 50 year olds that probably aren't going to make it to 51 right and so again this hard cap i would say no not really it depends on overall health i love it the biology and chronology don't always parallel each other do they but there's another kind of biology that i'm curious about uh you know in the world in which i work uh, we talk a lot about prostate cancer and of course there are certain parallels in any cancer but we know that race matters for, for prostate cancer. And I think it's really important that I, I, I want to understand more about how race may impact risk and disease. Are there elevated risks for black men with colon cancer or other race ethnicities? Yes. The short answer is yes, absolutely. So in general, um, the national guidelines have recommended that African-Americans start screening at 45. And this was even before the recent shift down from 50 to 45. Because African Americans compared to Caucasian Americans and Asian Americans in this country are not getting their preventive screenings, including colonoscopy, on time. So when they do present, it's often later stage cancer and potentially more aggressive and lifespans are shorter because they're not getting those um, screenings done. So there's not necessarily data that shows that cancer in African-Americans is more aggressive per se, but the patients who do present often present at a later stage. More, more advanced That's disease. That's right. That's yeah. exactly right. Let's talk about what men can do, resources that they can check out regarding anything from, from the mouth to the anus. So I think the websites that I refer my patients to are cancer.gov and cancer.org. Those are excellent educational websites uh, regarding cancer in general, but specifically colorectal cancer. And then the GI.org, which has lots of patient information that is sound. My caution is there's a lot of misinformation on the internet regarding gastrointestinal health. And so I would really recommend choosing websites that are sort of based in academia associated with, you know, the Mayo Clinic, for example, versus some um, random thoughts posted with, you know, sort of just frank misinformation, because um, that can be quite dangerous. I just want to know from my personal interest, should I be taking a probiotic? Do I need to repopulate my my gut with better bacteria? And what would you what do you tell your patients? What should we tell our audience? 
you know, that's a question we get very frequently. There's a lot of interest and excitement about the microbiome and what the what that means for health and disease and disease prevention. Supplements are 100% unregulated. There is no state, federal, city agency that ever takes a bottle of a supplement off the shelf and checks its contents to say this is safe, right? The FDA, which is the Food and Drug Administration, will randomly pull food off the shelf and randomly pull Tylenol, aspirin off the shelf to check for safety. No one does that for supplements. Zero. I could start a company tomorrow, Broussard's Weight Loss Pills, make it all sugar pills, market it for 100 bucks a pop, sell it at the store, and no one would say boo to me. So I'm not saying that supplements don't do anything and not all supplement companies are out to, you know, deceive people, but it's just not safe. You know, I've had a couple of patients who took what they thought was turmeric and this turmeric had some contaminants that were toxic to the liver and they presented in acute liver failure from taking what they thought was turmeric. So in order to answer your question, the idea of probiotics, I'm down with, right? So you want to get more healthy bacteria into your colon. My recommendation is to eat the foods that have a lot of bacteria that are natural probiotics, right? And so, for example, I tell my patients, have yogurt. Yogurt has lots of bacteria that's natural. Kefir, it's in the dairy aisle. It's a sour yogurt drink, eat sauerkraut. Sauerkraut is sitting in its juices for a long time. Eats kimchi. It may not be for everybody, but it also is fermented and sitting around for a long time. Miso and tempeh are the other things that can also, because of their fermentation, really, again, bring healthy bacteria into your gut, but are safe because they're foods and they are monitored closely. That's what I would say. Great advice. I will say that listening to Dr. Broussard has, for me, as a physician, as a well-informed person and who comes to you each month on this show, has really cleared the path in any confusion I have about colonoscopy. I hope that some listener is going to follow what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my referral. I'm going to get my appointment scheduled. And no matter, I, I understand now that it's going to be maybe a little challenging for me, but I'm going to do the prep and I'm going to make sure I get that both diagnostic and fully therapeutic treatment, which is colonoscopy. So thank you for for helping me to understand that. And uh, I hope somebody else is going to do what I'm going to do. Well, that wraps up the November edition of Men's Health Monthly from the Men's Health Center here at the University of Washington. Special thanks to this month's guest, Dr. Liz Broussard. Men's Health Monthly will not be on in December, but we will return in January. Dr. Walsh and I wish you and your families a happy, healthy, especially healthy, holiday season. Remember to send your questions on Men's Health to Men's Health Monthly at iHeartMedia.com. I'm Neil Scott, and on behalf of my co-host, Dr. Tom Walsh, we thank you for listening to Men's Health Monthly, wishing you good health and good sense in matters relating to men's health. We'll see you again in January. Stay safe, live in gratitude, and be kind to one another. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Men's Health Monthly with Dr. Tom Walsh, Associate Professor of Urology at the University of Washington and Director of the UW Men's Health Center, and your host, Neil Scott.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.